welcome back to Horror Queers. It's a Patreon intro, so I'm Joe. And I'm Trace. And yeah, everyone, we are opening up the Patreon vault to release something that, well, we recorded back in 2019. So, of course, mm-hmm. if you have been a patron, you might have heard this already. But um, we're dropping it in now for New Year's because, um, because... Because it's New Year's, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so folks, you may have heard that we were talking about the Into the Dark New Year, New You episode yesterday on Patreon, and we thought, well, what better time to also release the first episode that we did on Into the Dark, which was Midnight Kiss. Both New Year's, both queer. Yeah, and this one is obviously quite a bit more queer, so we had a good time talking about the queer representation on the women's side in New Year, New You, and this one is just like all queer all the time, which I think is kind of a sign of the times of where we were at in 2019. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I always make the joke where it's like, oh, queer horror is so hot right now because it, <laughs> it's we're seeing more and more of it come out. But yeah, back in 2019, I mean, I even hate saying that back in 2019. Ooh, Jesus Christ. So long ago. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, this is directed by Carter Smith, of course, who mm-hmm. listeners may recognize as A, the director of The Ruins and the upcoming Swallowed for next year. But um, yeah, we've also had him on our show talking about things like the people under the stairs right and of course we also interviewed this cast when this film first came out so we got a kind of exclusive first look at it it's got a queer screenwriter in erlinger thordson Mm -hmm. who's got a new movie coming out next year so it's very much like these were hot queer i mean they were hot queer gentlemen at the time (laughs) and they're still hot queer gentlemen now but i'm interested trace i mean I don't think either one of us had an opportunity to revisit the film. We definitely didn't listen to the episode because we don't generally do that. But <laughs> have your thoughts changed on Midnight Kiss since we covered it? No, I I think it's like a solid three and a half for me where it's like it's just so close to being great, but doesn't quite reach those heights. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I mean, there's so, it's a queer slasher film and there's so much right. going on here. There's so much that this film gets right about gay culture, especially the toxicity of gay male culture, I guess is what I want to say. Mm-hmm. I just find it very fascinating and interesting if maybe as a slasher film, not wholly successful. Right. Yeah. I remember that we had some issues with the last act, which is ironic because if folks listen to our episode on New Year, New You on Patreon, it's the same thing. <laughs> it's the same thing. So I actually think that part of the issue is that the Into the Dark model just it it forces things to come together too quickly because they're trying to hit a specific runtime because yeah. that's what Hulu and Blumhouse were doing. So it's unfortunate because I think Given a longer production, given a longer shooting schedule, this could have really been an all-timer. As it is, I'm in agreement with you. It's about a three and a half for me. It's got lots of great ideas. Mm -hmm. It is so fucking unabashedly queer. And I remember we were like clutching our pearls in 2019 because we hadn't seen this level of queerness before so in that way it is a bit of a hallmark yeah very much so i mean it's it's i mean it's weird the the time since 2019 like we've been doing the podcast that entire time and so it feels like it was just (laughs) yesterday but yeah this was in fact three years ago Oh my god. Time flies. Time flies. But okay, everyone. So we'll, we'll stop talking about this. But of course, if you like what you hear, please head over to patreon.com slash horrorqueers and you can sign up to at whatever tier you'd like and get a bunch of bonus content. Uh, if you subscribe to the highest tier, we have over 220 hours of bonus content waiting for you. Ooh. 
Yeah, very much so. So, of course, for this month, though, our special episode, so as Joe mentioned, we already covered Into the Dark, New Year, New You as one of our episodes for December 2022, but we've also got episodes this month on Terrifier 2, Christmas Bloody Christmas, Bones and All, Glass Onion will be coming out shortly this uh, this week, and uh, an audio commentary on Scream 2, which we celebrated for its 25th anniversary. Yeah, so much good stuff. So much good stuff. But um, all right, everyone. Well, we hope you've had a great holiday and that you do have a good new year. But um, until 2023, I guess we mm. can cross out for now. Midnight kiss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Enjoy the episode. Good morning, afternoon or evening. And welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. The following show is just horrifying. Beware. Sheriff, you're not cheating on your wife if you eat my lemon square. Your lemon squares taste like ass. Welcome back to Horror Queers. It's your Patreon, I guess, full-length final episode of the year, and I'm Joe. And I'm Trace, and we're talking what might be the gayest film we've ever discussed. I mean, maybe Minus Knife Plus Heart? Mm, Well, it it has... I was going to say it has fewer penetrative shots, but does it? That's true. I mean, there's a... (laughs) Well, okay. So we're doing our first ever episode of Into the Dark, um, which is Carter Smith's Midnight Kiss. Full disclosure for listeners, uh, you lovely, lovely patrons, you. We are recording this on December 2nd because we got a way advanced copy of this. So we wouldn't have to record this over Christmas. <laughs> mm-hmm. And humble bragging rights, we're only the first two people to get to see this. So, you That's know, true. no big deal at all. It's just that Carter loves us. Correct. I love you, Carter. <laughs> um, and, but full disclosure with that, too. Uh, the only thing that we know, so the, it is the final cut of the film. Uh, but Carter did let us know that the color and visual effects weren't final. However, I bet everything else was done. But after watching it, honestly, um, and Joe, we discussed this offline, but I don't know what they're going to change like what they're gonna add like the color to me looks fine but i don't have that eye i guess but the vfx were also fine Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so it's not like we had to see any kind of like here is what (laughs) yeah here's here's green screen here's uh you know like an animated fake sequence of storyboards or anything like we got to see the full finished film from what we can tell that did happen to me on something that i watched where it was just like a green so it was like someone was floating in the air and like it was them floating in a gr- oh it was um it, it was claws <laughs> tnt's claws <laughs> oh really yeah because for some reason i get advanced screeners of claws even though i don't review it i don't know how i got on this list but there's yeah a dream sequence where i think um nisi nash is like floating like through the sky and it was just her on a green screen nice <laughs> Those are the kinds of behind-the-scenes images that I need in my life. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, so we are talking Midnight Kiss, uh, directed by, as we said, Carter Smith, written by Erlinger Thoridsen, and I hope I didn't butcher that name. I think I said it right. It sounded um, pretty good. Yeah. But uh, he and listeners, you all may know him if you have seen the movie Rift, or um, I think in Icelandic... Or read our article on it? Well, I was getting there. I was going to say, I okay. think in Icelandic, it's Rokur. I think that's how you say it. Um, but yes... 
Joe and I wrote an article on it uh, for one of our very first horror quiz articles back in March, I think, of 2018. Um, really good gay uh, horror adjacent film, maybe. I mean, it is horror because he's haunted by the nightmares of this doomed relationship and there's blood and potentially murder. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it depends on how hard you want to lean into certain definitions of horror. But yes, it is great. It's quiet. It's moody. You know, chilly, as you would expect an Icelandic film to be. Well, it's kind of the opposite of this, which is, um, okay, so you know what movie this reminded me of, right? I do not but i'm gonna maybe go sorority row no (laughs) you think the words gay slasher what's the first movie that people always think of nightmare on elm street 2 hellbent (laughs) (laughs) yes it does have a hellbent vibe even down to the fact that we've got a killer in a pup mask which looks very uh you know devil daddy from hellbent Mm -hmm. i was actually a little um at least, uh, and listeners also, we did write an article on Hellbent. Um, in our reader surveys, we had quite a few people request Hellbent for an episode, which we will probably do one day, but not for a bit because we already wrote about it. But I did like, I mean, because the devil mask in Hellbent makes sense, whereas the pup mask in this, like, I kind of wish there was a reason behind it other than, like, it's, you know, kind of yeah. ingrained in queer culture. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a few kind of outstanding questions and... I I mentioned this to you offline, Trace, that I sometimes struggle with the length of these Into the Dark episodes. I haven't seen all of them, but the couple that I've seen, they're, I mean, they're full length films. And they sometimes don't feel like they have quite enough juice to justify the length. And I do feel that here with the protracted climax. But what I wish had have happened was that some of that sort of repetitive chasing stuff had have actually been dedicated a little bit more to unpacking some of the weirdness of this killer's motivation i i agree uh, i believe erlinger uh wrote ripped as well as directed it uh he did. I, yeah i thought that was a very nuanced film uh there that is not on display here but this was not not really the film that they're that he's trying to write no i was actually i thought the first half of this film was a lot stronger than the second half yes and i hate saying that because i've written an article for buddy before about how like the the phrase devolves it's really good and then it devolves into a slasher film like is be mm. has been used like like think of um danny boyle sunshine you know as, as a critique right yes and that's kind of how i felt about this i mean even though it is a slasher like from the get-go once it gets into those third act mechanics of the slasher film that's when i was kind of like okay like this can be over but i don't i didn't think it was too long it's like 86 minutes but i I do view these into the darks as movies i don't view them as episodes even though that's what hulu and blumhouse are intent on calling them yeah they're very odd because they celebrate them as monthly movies but then they also brand it like it's a television show Without knowing anything about this, I do wonder... <laughs> just in general, not knowing anything about this. Yeah, I don't know anything about the movie business, whatever. But I, I just wonder, because I've seen... This is the... I mean, back when we did our Always Shine episode for the main feed, I said I had seen the first episode, or I'm sorry, the first film, The Body, and I'd seen Sophia to Call's New Year, New You. Right. I have not watched another one since then until this. Uh, my husband, Andrew, has actually been going through all of them over the past like month and a half, two months, mm-hmm. and... He's enjoyed most of them, but like I think he maybe gave one of them four stars, and the rest are like three and a half, threes, with a couple two and a halfs and twos. Yeah. He's like, yeah, they're fine. And so I wonder, I wonder if these are scripts that Blumhouse had, and they were like, mm, it's fine. We can't really make this into a theater film, so let's do Into the Dark. 
Like, do you think Into the Dark is like Blumhouse's like way of like burning off some of these like scripts? Kind of like a slush pile fund in kind a way. of and i don't mean that in any offense to of course anyone that's worked on these films but like i mean obviously this is not a film that would go to theaters you know no and yeah i think if you look at it that way as their films with a lot of potential like they're working with some really great people like if you look at the list of directors well and, and the talent, cast they get good cast i mean there's not really yeah. any big names in this one but some of them do have like names of them yeah, and they're obviously throwing a decent production budget at them because they mm -hmm. don't look bad for the most part. Like, yeah. it kind of depends on which director you're talking about and what the premise is. Like, some of them are a little bit, you know, like I'm thinking of that first film, which I watched at your place during Fantastic Fest, uh, which is The Body. It's just like mm -hmm. a serial killer who, like, hangs out with a bunch I of kids at Halloween. It's okay, but it's a lot of just, like, them walking around suburban well, streets. Well, that's definitely one that does feel longer, but I remember thinking the gore was really good in it. Like, some of the kills in that third act are really cool. Yeah, so there's, there's pluses and minuses to this particular model. I do appreciate that, like some of the horror television renaissance that we're experiencing right now we're getting a dedicated amount of horror delivered to us like you don't have to go to the movie theaters to get a quality you know maybe in quotation marks horror film mm -hmm. each month as a result of something like this so i applaud their effort well i agree with you that the execution can occasionally be a little bit lacking and in regards to this particular film i actually do think smith does a good job filming this movie oh yeah yeah my biggest qualms honestly are with thoradson's script um and not that i think it's particularly bad because again i think the first half is great i think the way he develops his characters and represents a specific segment of gay culture mm -hmm. is very very accurate and of course i mean it's it's the la gay scene or the club scene if you will of which we both know so much about <laughs> i mean like i've never i've never i mean i go to the gay clubs here in austin but i wouldn't call myself a club kid have i gone to clubs yes have i partaken in party substances <laughs> at clubs yes right <laughs> but it's never been like a lifestyle where I'm, oh, I'm doing that every week you know no i i mean i think there's a potential for certain queer audiences to look at this and say eh, it's not really super reflective of my everyday life whereas if you're living in a bigger city with more opportunities if you're a little bit more affluent maybe if you're a little bit more white this is going to ring a little bit more right. true to you well that's also kind of the thing though is like I, the whole time i was watching this i was like you know what I know some of these people, like, in my oh, sure. everyday life, or I've met yeah, people, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, the ones here. But I also know, I mean, like, I thought this would be a good film to talk about internalized homophobia, because I can also see some gay men watching this and be like, you know, it's like, like, like mask for mass culture, like, whatever, like, and watching this and be like, that is gross. I'm not these queens, these women, like, on the scene, like, I'm just not into that. That's not, like, that's why I don't, like, want to be out or something like that, you know? Um... Well, I think your comparison to Hellbent is actually pretty astute in that regard that Erlinger, I'm sorry, I'm just going to use his first name because I'm not going to try to pronounce yeah, uh, his last name. Let, let's do that. You know what? I feel like I interact with him on Twitter enough to justify calling him by his first name. I've had a beer with him at Fantastic Fest, so. Shut up. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> No, honestly, I mean, we've interacted with both of these men on a number of occasions in different formats. Right. I think they're both great. And I really appreciate, I I do think that Erlinger is doing a good job of, he is presenting a certain class of gays in terms of like, yeah, they're party guys, they're of a certain age, they're of a certain income bracket. But at the same time, they're not, you know, like we've got one character who's 
very femme, very bitchy, mm-hmm. social media, Instagram star, you know, he's wearing furs, all these kinds of things. That's one archetype. Right. But our main character is very much the Eddie from Hellbed character where he's yeah. more straight lace. He's kind of laid back. He he looks like the kind of person where you might say, oh, OK, that's just a guy that I work with. That, he, you know, he, I find out on Friday he's going to the gay bar because he's a big old homo. He looks like a more attractive Logan Miller. Yes. Like that is exactly call. I, I was looking at him to be like, what what do I know this guy from? And I don't really know him from anything, although apparently um, he is in the morning show with Jennifer Aniston. And Reese I was going to say, I was going to raise that up because you had mentioned that you've been watching the morning show. So I thought for sure you were going to be like, hey, that guy. No, I don't know who he's playing. <laughs> oh, OK, <laughs> so he might just be like some guy in the background. I don't know. I mean, whatever. It's fine. But um, yeah, so no, do I mean, you want to like just go into this because i feel like there's a ton of aspects of gay culture that we can and should talk about this but i also want to talk about this as like a piece of entertainment that is being released by a major corporation in a very accessible way that is gay as fuck it's super gay and from the well maybe not the first frame but like after the intro with the the, all the kissing through the years like it is just butt in the first scene and you almost get kissing from the from the get-go and then butts and almost cock and then more butts in the shower yes (laughs) and then people in a dark room getting handsy (laughs) i mean and that's what i'm saying like you know my feelings about some of the narrative choices and the lack of character development for specifically the killer and joel who is the asshole of this movie yes <laughs> i i was very impressed and quite pleased that they let smith do like show all of this oh yeah like okay so if attentive listeners want to go back you can actually hear carter tease that he is directing this movie when he guested on the episode earlier this year so in the people under the stairs episode at the end of it when we ask him if he has anything to plug he says keep an eye out i'm directing this super gay like unapologetically gay film and it was also the reason why he had to delay coming on multiple episodes because he locked this down and then all he was off shooting this so i think one of the things that he's most proud of is just how queer this film is and unabashedly so oh i mean yeah i mean not only is there nudity but there is a full-on gay sex scene with the um what position would we call that like the side like laying on just laying on your side is there like a name for that i if there is i don't know it yeah i just call it kind of like side missionary okay yeah we'll call it that like laid down doggy style it's not of? really no because i feel no. i always think doggy style is like you're on like you're like the bottom's like bent over you know in some way i guess like if his knees were pulled up to his like chest then like maybe right. i don't really know right. <clears throat> but um yeah anyway <laughs> no and we have like gay sex in this movie it is yes. I I won't deny it is not the couple that I thought we would see having sex. I agree. And I'm mildly disappointed. I would have liked to see Cam and Dante get it on before they have some coitus interrupted. <laughs> uh, I agree. I mean, their the foreplay session, which, oh, and also, again, leading to talk of condoms and prep is like super, super, super. Like you never I, I don't think I've heard prep in a tv show or a movie ever i don't think uh i mean nothing now i mean i'm not saying it doesn't exist obviously (laughs) i'm just saying like i haven't seen a media a form of media that 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 discusses prep openly which granted it's down to like one line in this movie but it's still there yes 
and a line that I missed and you had to cue me to it when I mentioned it, but uh, Trace, for the audiences who may be listening and don't know what the fuck you're talking about, what is PrEP? Yes. So PrEP is actually a pill. Um, it stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. Um, it's basically used to prevent um, HIV and AIDS. Uh, so basically if you're prescribed PrEP, which by the way, uh, it's super easy to get and it's like free, uh, at least in the States. I don't know if it is in, uh, in um, Canada. It is from what I know, but I'm, I know you have to go to the doctor and like get your prescription for it. Yes. Uh, when I was, I mean, I guess I'll just come uh, when I was prescribed it. Yeah. I had to go to a clinic here that specify, that specializes in like sexual health and yeah, they go, they take your blood. They, you have to do a rectal swab. Um, that that was fun and urine sample, all that jazz. And basically, yeah, it's a pill that you take daily, like birth control. And it, it basically reduces the effects of, uh, the reduces the chance of you getting, uh, infected by HIV by about I want to say like 90 up to, it's up to 99% as long as you use it as directed you have to like take it like this around the same time every day preferably with a meal not always but anyway it's we've come a long way since the 80s and <laughs> in the foreplay scene between Cam and Dante they uh you know that he mentions having a condom and Dante doesn't have one and and Cam's like cool I'll go get one and then Dante says I'm on prep and then as as Cam is walking away he goes we can have both And then he walks into the house. Is it like the meme of that little girl who says, like, can we get chips or like tacos or crunchy and soft? Kind of. (laughs) But important thing to note, though, PrEP is only effective against HIV and AIDS. It doesn't prevent, you know, chlamydia, syphilis, things like that. Gonorrhea. Yeah, yeah, gonorrhea. Yeah. So if if had Dante had any of those other things, (laughs) uh, PrEP would not help. So it's helpful to use PrEP and condoms simultaneously. I am not advocating for um, random acts of bareback sex. Yeah, and unfortunately, I mean, I I guess that is one of the other interesting things about this particular episode. When I saw the logline for it, I thought we were going to be dealing with a younger population of gay men. So I actually thought that that would be a really important conversation to have because unfortunately within every generation there is sometimes a lack of historical understanding or even a occasional forgetfulness about the history of queer struggles in terms of activism but also sexual health and there's a population of gay men who have grown up with the advent of prep and they now look at it as oh well i can just have bareback sex i don't need to worry about condoms anymore right. and they're overlooking this idea that it's not a hundred percent i mean it's pretty fucking close but at the same time like the world is still rampant with herpes and gonorrhea and chlamydia so we've actually seen a rise in all of these other stis in the so... advent of prep because people think that oh it's an all-encompassing thing You're like no people just be you know play but be careful people are so <laughs> Because, like, in the porn world and, like, you know, just, like, the, the the gay community, like, people are so into bareback, you know? Like, oh, condoms make it feel less good. And I'm yeah. just, like, I don't – I've I've never really had, like, I, that big of a problem with condoms. Yeah. If I, I didn't have that big of a problem, I mean, I don't have a problem with condoms. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, Trace, what is your problem with I just – and, I, I, I mean, I, you know, listeners, if, if this is you and, like, you know, you are very much like, no, bareback is, like, what I want. And, you know, so for some people, it's a mental thing. For some people, it's a physical thing because, yes, mm-hmm. like, it feels better, quote-unquote, without a condom on. But it feels different. Yeah. I it, Yeah, I mean, it's – but it's not, like, different enough to, like, make that much of a difference for me to be like, if I'm having sex with a stranger – I don't I, I do want to risk getting all these things and not wear a condom. <laughs> well, I think people should choose what 
best fits them, but it's one of those things where right. you should think about having a conversation with your sexual partner, whether that's some really cute boy that you met at the bar on New Year's Eve, or if it's like a long-term partner and you decide, okay, we're going to, you know, let's go off condoms because we're mono monogamous and all these right. other things. Like whatever your rationale may be, it's important that people think about what is going to work best for them, the other person, because it's it's often like about communication. And then, yeah, like just stay informed and like get fucking tested every once in a while, for God's sake. <laughs> right. Absolutely. I mean, it's obviously a personal choice, uh, but I mean, I just like it's amazing to me, like, even in the advent of like you know gay dating apps, which this movie puts to good use with Grinder specifically. Yes. Oh, ooh, yeah. Okay, let's talk about that. Okay. <laughs> Wait, I just no, it's just there's. Oh, sorry, keep going. No, I just want to say one thing. So, so, like, while my husband and I were in West Texas visiting his family, um, it's I was shocked. I said, "Oh, you know what's going to be on these gay apps? There's going to be a lot of blank profiles and no pictures doing discreet because that's like a class you can do." Um, <laughs> that was the case, but there was also a lot of BB only, like all over the city, and Which I was like, "For bareback." Okay. Were you asking for you or for the listeners? The listeners. Okay. <laughs> And I was just I'm like, down with I, the lingo. I know I, what the kids are talking about. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but I was just really like surprised by that. So anyway, but like move. Okay, so let's move into your your. Uh, let's move into this discussion of gay apps. I mean, I just so there's a couple of things. You know, there's tropes of horror films like you know when they arrive at this palatial family cottage and they talk about oh we've got reception issues and you're thinking okay horror trope so they're not going to be able to call the police later or they're going to have difficulty with texting sure whatever in this <laughs> our year of 2019 sure weak cell signals okay <laughs> but I do love that they also have a discussion about like. Yeah, you know, at one point, Cam, who is the single gay at this location. Right. Um, and he's not well, is, up with Zach. Zach. Isn't Zach single too? Zach is single, but they've already clarified that the two of them hooked up when they were twinks right. fresh out of the closet and that it will like never happen again because they're not each other's type. Right. So Cam whips out his phone and he's checking Grinder, which I think we've talked about before, but is a gay dating app where you can meet people based on their geographical proximity to you. You get pictures, you get stats, you can get uh, messages and all that kind of stuff. Well, it also it's... tells you your your um, distance from each other. So like yes. you, you, it organizes the grid of pictures like based on how far away the person is from you. Like, And then there's like a margin of error, you know, of like it'll tell you like of uh, 200 feet or like whatever. So there's that. Yeah. What I liked about this is, A, it's a frank recognition that, yes, these apps exist and people do use them. Because so often, I mean, A, you don't actually have people talking about any kind of apps at all. They're like, I found love on the internet. And you're like, okay, that's good. <laughs> but more to the point, the way that Cam is using it and the way that the conversation goes, you know, it makes sense in the, in the plot, given who the killer is revealed to be and the relationship that Cam has with his ex, Joel, that right. is revealed later. But particularly the the disdain and the way that they talk about him, you know, like, oh, you're never going to find something legitimate uh, if you're looking for it on your phone. Like, you should be trying to connect with people in person. Like, these are conversations that are happening within the gay community. Mm -hmm. I think more so around people in my generation, like I've had a lot of conversations with people where they say it's really hard to meet somebody because you don't go to the gay club to meet people anymore. Because why would anyone? You've got 
fucking grinder. You've got scruff. You've got all these other options. You know what though? No, it's so fascinating to me though because like when, when we were in West Texas, uh, we said there's one gay bar in the city we were in, um, which was very sad sight when you walk inside. It was sparse as fuck. Mm. Uh, maybe it was the holidays or just because it's West Texas, but. One of the girls that we were going with, she was like, I just, why do you have to call it a gay bar? It's just a bar. And we're like, yeah, but it's. <laughs> no, it is not just a bar. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's different. She's like, I don't call it a straight bar. And I was like, well, we do. But it's. It's because every bar is a straight bar. But it's also, I mean, yeah, exactly. But it's because, okay. And granted, I mean, I, I'm in a more privileged, younger set of the queer community because I at least had more opportunities, I guess. And like. I didn't have it as hard as someone that's growing up, you know, in in their 20s, in the 80s, you know. And you're white and you got money. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like gay bar, it's like a haven, you know, like if, if you're in a town that is primarily mm. conservative, but there's a gay bar there, that's yeah. where you can go and just be yourself. And yeah, there's a sense of community, right? I was trying to explain to this girl, my, my husband and I both were, and being like, like, this is, yeah, this is why we call it that. We have to specify. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I think the benefit of something like Grinder is that people don't have to, A, physically travel to a place that they may not feel comfortable at. Right. Uh, they may not have the benefit of an actual gay bar because they're increasingly closing down. They're a kind of outdated dinosaur model of business in the modern age. But also, there's an anonymity that protects you. So you you mentioned, oh, you know, we expected to see a bunch of headless torsos <laughs> when you checked. Mm -hmm. And that's because if people want to remain closeted or under wraps, they can do so. So I, I love the discussion that happens in Midnight Kiss where you know, there's a at least a dialogue that acknowledges that there's good things about the app, but also bad. I mean, I think in this case, Cam comes off much more positively because, A, he's our protagonist, but also because he's not acting all weirdly slut-shamey and, like, disparaging about making a connection online, which, as frequent users of Twitter, I feel like you and I were like, mm, no, you can authentically meet people and make a good friendship or relationship with people on the internet <laughs> oh absolutely i mean like yeah this whole writing community of horror writers is that way and but i, I actually think that that's a good i mean not that this movie with that route but that's a really good horror movie in and of itself because even though like yeah these dating apps exist and like the the access you get to people or like however people however close people let you get to them is terrifying like there could be a horror movie built around grinder and like someone like stalking you through grinder again especially with the, the distance thing and granted you can hide the distance on the app you know like so you don't people don't show that but it still puts you in order Mm -hmm. of the distance so like if there's two people like around you that are like you know have their distance up and like and you're between them then they can kind of put two and two together it, yeah it's it's fascinating but also kind of terrifying to me oh absolutely i mean that's that's why technology can be used as such an effective weapon in horror films right <laughs> when dante showed up at the house and was like i'm outside your house that's what i thought was going to be his thing of oh that's how i found you Right. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I just, he works there. Yeah, which I appreciated as a bit of a class critique because they do frequently talk about, you know, oh, this place is so bougie and Joel's parents and, you know, then the person of color who is still alive in the film at this point yeah. basically says, oh, yeah, I know this rich bitch place because I worked here because I have a job. Yep. I'm just going to I'm just going to pivot, I guess. I don't really know. I mean, like, uh, sure. but yeah, what I. What I was impressed with and shocked by was that there was no cocaine in this movie because, as many people know, maybe it's a stereotype, but, but I also have seen it a lot, <laughs> um, is that cocaine is a very big club drug, at least here in Austin, and I'm pretty sure it is in L.A. too, but they do Molly instead. And I was like, good for you, movie. 
<laughs> they're trying to advocate for a safer more responsible partying drug <laughs> yeah i mean i mean i'm not saying go out and do molly which funnily enough though so the time that i messaged you a couple a couple months ago and i was like yeah we were in san antonio and i did molly from a stranger um it was God. it was the bag way no but I, i've only done it via um capsule before sorry i don't do molly a lot everyone I, i've done it like a handful of times but <laughs> but when i was drunk at this club he was like here's this bag of powder and i was like the fuck am i supposed to do with that and he's like yo you lick your fingers stick it in and like suck it and i was like oh okay which is what they do here except they also mix it into their drink right right but I, so i think they i think they suck it but then they also like do another dab and then like yeah mix it sort of into their drink mm-hmm. but anyway i but I, I was impressed with the lack of drugs all over the place there's another gay slasher that came out earlier this year which much lower budget called a killer unicorn about a, a man and a killer unicorn and a unicorn mask that stalks drag queens that definitely employs a variety of drugs a lot more throughout its entire runtime right it's interesting how now that we're actually starting to see these really kind of queer intensive horror films. So, you know, Once Upon a Time Hellbent was the only thing that we had because everything mm-hmm. else was subtext. And now we're actually getting entirely queer populated horror films. But we also then, you know, have to contend with the depictions and the lifestyle choices that they're deciding whether or not to include. Like, as as you said off the top, you know, this is a certain subset of gay culture, you know, which means we are going to have drug use, like you said, with Kill a Unicorn, we've got and, drug use in there. And I don't, so. I don't mean to, like, generalize, again, around the community or, like, the L.A. queer community specifically. I'm just going off based off personal experience of what I've seen. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, like, when you said, when you told me, you, you know, like, oh, yeah, there's a bunch of drug use in this movie about uh, drag queens. I was like, oh, yeah, that matches <laughs> that the experience that I also had, where <laughs> literally the first time I went to a gay bar, my boyfriend worked at the bar. So I got to kind of go behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And he opens the door to the drag room at, to introduce me to, like, these performers. And the, literally the first thing I do is see somebody snort a line of coke i'm just like oh okay there you go this is this is how it is got it (laughs) okay (laughs) it's just so open i don't even know like and i'm actually interested to hear from listeners though who don't live in bigger cities who do live in smaller towns like i mean because that's the thing is you know like the people making these movies right now live in la and i feel like maybe some of them came from smaller towns but like what we're getting now is this is this vision of la gay culture is kind of seeing how that compares because even you and i living in toronto and austin like we live in a bubble because we're both in big cities yeah and cities that are safer cities that have larger communities but i wonder if those people like those people if people who don't live in those bubbles if they feel represented in this movie you know if you don't that's i mean it's not a bad it's it's not a bad thing it's it's not the movie it's not a bad thing for the movie it's just you know do any of these characters on display here which i guess we haven't really gone through the characters entirely so maybe we should do that but i'm like do you see yourself represented 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 in any of these characters (laughs) hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Well, now that you said it, why don't we go through our list? (laughs) So we we went through Cam. uh, (laughs) Yes. And then, yeah, Zach is the 
more effeminate one wearing furs and being very flamboyant. Mm-hmm. And he is our first person of color representation. So Yes. Um, the first kill of the movie who we know very briefly is Ryan, who is a quote-unquote slut, but he's off going with his sugar daddy. Mm-hmm. Did they say sugar daddy or silver daddy? They said silver fox okay. at some point. Um, but I'm pretty sure they said sugar daddy like on the phone when, like before right. he got killed. Um, which, by the way, like I, I, again, no Tina, like um, no, no shame, no shade, whatever. I've never really understood the sugar daddy thing, and I thought it was just like kind of like a funny thing people do. But it's like a legit culture. Oh yeah, 100%. one one of my exes, I got drinks with him uh, last year, and he was like, "Yeah, I, I live with this guy in L.A." and he pays for my apartment and he pays for all this stuff. And I was like, "In exchange for sex?" and he goes, "Yeah, pretty much." And I was like, yeah. "Oh okay." <laughs> It's like a more secure form of escorting in a way. Kind of. I mean, that, that I, I, he was having the time of his life. That's awesome. Like, I, I'm i not jealous or anything. <laughs> I mean, you're allowed to be jealous if you want. Because <laughs> I'm a little jealous. <laughs> people, I would love to be rich. People, yeah, living a, a bit more of a luxurious lifestyle at, you know, the, at the whims of uh, an older lover. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got that. Um, or Ryan. And then we have Joel, who is the the most like, I mean, yeah, he's the asshole. We've said that, but like, he's the more like quiet, the most quiet of all of them. Like he's if we're talking about like gay types, I guess you would say he's like the more masculine of the group. Mm, I wouldn't even categorize him in that way. Yeah, I don't, because... I don't think I would either. Because if anything, I was watching this movie and I'm thinking, OK, who do I personally relate to and i feel like you're you're meant to see yourself mostly in cam because he's our protagonist and he's he's the guy who has the baggage with the ex who's got the promising career but it's you know like it's i will say it is (laughs) i i didn't find cam to be a born protagonist he didn't suffer from protagonist syndrome for me hmm yeah, I was going to ask you about that, actually, because he could be considered the kind of blandest one because his characterization is simply that he is our hero. But, right. you know, Joel, to me, was that OCD kind of very take charge business guy. So well, not not to be offensive to you, but he was kind of you where he's like, I've got an itinerary. This is how we're yeah, going to yeah. do it. I've made this playlist. I've figured out what we're going to do. But at the same time, he's obviously revealed to have a certain amount of emotional, like intimacy challenges. Which... I think he wants to be with a partner, but he also wants the luxury of having opportunities to play and step outside of that relationship which is really where the entire conflict of this movie comes from because had he not introduced the midnight game it wouldn't basically none of those would have happened well i i wish the movie would have done more like exploration of joel as a character and the history between him and cam like they basically tell you yeah they got together but then he made the midnight kiss game and like that broke them apart. Like Cam broke up with him because he couldn't deal with Joel being with another guy that night. Like, is that basically no. what it was? No. Oh, so that, <laughs> okay. So maybe this is one part that I caught more than you. So when they're, Clearly. <laughs> when they're making out in the club or when Joel tries to make out with Cam, uh. so Cam uses Logan, who is Joel's new fiance. We find out at the beginning of the movie, right? Uh, Logan is much younger, he's inexperienced, and there's a suggestion that Joel is... 
he's taken this boy because he's obviously younger than the rest of them he's taken him kind of almost in like a a weirdly predatory way because he can boss this kid around he can make him do what he wants and what cam ends up revealing when joel tries to cheat on logan with him in the club is that this is how joel operates so he wants it both ways so in their relationship he created the midnight kiss so that joel could fuck around uh you know, under the guise of like kissing somebody else on New Year's Eve. Right. And yes, you're right that Cam didn't like it, but that's not why he broke up with him. He broke up with Joel because he was too controlling and Cam found that he was saying yes to things that he didn't actually want to say yes to. Oh, yeah, totally missed that. Oops. Sorry, Carter Smith, if you're listening to this. Um, (laughs) And Erlinger. (laughs) But I don't like, okay, fine. But then we still don't really get because then when when joel goes after cam in the back of the club that i was like okay this guy's an asshole yes and then of course with the murder of dante it's like oh he's a psychotic asshole too yeah that was the part that i wanted a bit more on because we obviously get the impression that he misses joel like whether or not he regrets his decision or if he's just like you know what i still want to fuck around with this guy we don't really that know. part isn't clear until you then see joel murder dante mm-hmm. and i think you're meant to believe okay this guy is so either in love or fixated on cam that he can't even let cam be happy so it could be just an extension of his controlling nature but obviously it's being expressed in a really unhealthy way i guess but then like i'm like well why did the fuck do you propose to this logan guy then if it's like like in which I, that that though i also know gays like that who are like oh they, they, it's it's all about like the show oh it's all about control man like this this guy wants to have somebody that he can boss around, but then he also doesn't want his ex okay. to move so, on. Funny little anecdote. So I have this, I have a friend who I went to college with and his, him and his boyfriend have been together for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is, a, he like he takes all these photos and basically like saves them and like sets times and dates to release them. Like at certain time zones when they get the most likes and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Took his boyfriend to Thailand. We all knew they were going to get engaged. We knew it was going to happen, and it didn't happen. Like they didn't like announce it on like their socials. I was like, this is really weird. And all of a sudden, like <laughs> you're not even waiting to see whether they announce it publicly. You're like, oh, we just know it's going to drop in like well, whatever time zone. It'll get the most likes. Basically, yes. And so anyway, <laughs> so they come back, and this is like the beginning of November. And then all of a sudden, like he starts reaching out to all of us to go to their friendsgiving. And so, hey, you're going to come to my Friendsgiving? Are you going to come to the Friendsgiving? And so we're like, okay, they're clearly going to, like, propose, get pro- engaged there. I was like, that's kind of weird. Why didn't they do that in Thailand? Mm-hmm. And no, turn- so we're, I'm, I, we didn't go because we already had a Friendsgiving because they invited us a week before it was supposed to happen. And I was like, uh, I have plans because I have a life. Thank you. But. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> but no, no, no. So anyway, so we're at our Friendsgiving and all of a sudden we see on Instagram, boom, all their engagement photos. But get this. They got engaged in Thailand, had a professional photographer fly out to take pictures of them, which is fine. But okay. then they waited the two weeks until their Friendsgiving to announce it to the world and post it all over social media for like the biggest boost. <laughs> weird <laughs> but anyway uh so that what wh- who are we talking about when we got out of these people <laughs> uh i mean i i think you were trying to connect the dots between the way that joel reacts around cam and logan yes 
But we could just skip past that and introduce the final person that we've not talked about, which is Hannah. I was going to say that. We have, uh, okay, wait. So they don't refer to her as this in the movie, but in the in the log line, they call her a fruit fly, which is, I guess, mm-hmm. the new like fag hag term. I have yes. never heard this term before. I think it's meant to be the more PC version. Like we're moving away from an offensive, because if you think about it, you're calling a woman both a hag and you're also using the Gessler. Right. So I, yeah. So what did you think of Anne Hathaway in this role? (laughs) Anne Hathaway? Didn't you think she looked like Anne Hathaway? Isn't she a person of color, too? I have no idea. Her name is Aiden Mayeri. Okay, hold on. Oh, Iranian. She's Iranian. Okay. So there you go. Um, No, I I actually, when she came on screen and the at the brunch oh because of course the the meeting place for all of them is a brunch you know because like, us gays love brunch i love a brunch i will i you know what i love a brunch i love a drink special at a brunch so when she showed up and she was double fist in those caesars i was like you go girl you live bloody mary is what the fuck is a caesar uh i'll treat you to one when you come up to canada wait wait <laughs> what is a caesar what, what's the difference uh, so a Caesar is with Mott's Clamato juice, so it's, oh, it's clam juice. Clam and tomato juice, yeah. Yeah. And for people who drink Caesars and people who drink Bloody Marys, there is a stark distinction, and the clam juice is not as disgusting as it sounds. I mean, I, we have Clamato that you can buy, like, you know, it's at not the gas the stations here. Yeah, it's It's fine. not the same. Okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> so I was fully expecting to be great, like, like annoyed by her um oh, she's I, great i i like her a lot and yeah. I, so because normally in f- films where there is a fruit fly mm-hmm. um they're typically like really obnoxious women <laughs> yes because oftentimes in real life these women who latch on to gay men as accessories are truly annoying i agree and the moment where i was like oh i really like this girl is whenever she confronts cam at the at the gay bar and she's like why don't you ever come to a straight bar with me and he's yes. like what's the point and then she has this <laughs> and she's line, like are you a fucking hypocrite <laughs> no and she goes i don't want to perpetuate a stereotype but you guys are selfish as fuck and i was like girl yep yes yes and i think it's like something like in gay culture because like we and again i'm not generalizing i'm just kind of even with myself because i mean i i know i'm a selfish person but like when you grow up gay and you like don't have all the a lot of opportunities and like you don't get to live a quote-unquote normal teenage life as like you should be able to when you reach your 20s and early 30s i feel like you feel like the world owes you something mm-hmm. or at least like when you're in an environment where you can like do things like in the la club scene so i feel like that that is where that selfishness might come from and i'm not a psychologist i'm I, this maybe isn't for everyone but i i just knowing it like knowing what i've seen like in my personal life experience that's what i think it is but her calling him out on that i was like oh man she's so right and good for her i completely agree i think if anything she is almost used as a bit of a foil to dig out not just character background like exposition and be like oh who hooked up with who and what's like the format going to be she's a really great like tension diffuser in Mm -hmm. terms of the way that she she calls people on their shit she you know she allows for like a little bit of a reprieve from like the gay drama that's happening and i like the fact that she's a real human being like the, the her entire arc in this is you know she comes on these weekends or you know or these annual retreats with these boys they treat her like garbage but she loves them 
but what she really wishes is that they would actually respect her friendship the way that she's you know bending over backwards to make sure that they feel okay well that's the thing she's a really good friend to all of these people and the movie is kind of about her as the secret protagonist because the end of the movie is her getting her wish for cam to go to a straight bar with her (laughs) well i feel like the film not so secretly over time reveals that it is really about their friendship so it's about Cam and hannah and then it's about him letting go of this toxic former relationship like he lets joel boss him around and make demands of his time and even like you know cheat with him and all these other things and at the end of the day it's yeah there's this unfortunate you know pup killer who's stalking them and killing off a bunch of people but it's really the climax of the film is when he looks at joel joel grabs him by the hand and is like don't go and cam finally gets the willpower and the balls to say fuck you and then he and hannah go and sit outside like they go off and realize our friendship is authentic and it's healthy we need to figure out how to proceed from here and even going back to joel too so with this whole midnight kiss game like it's he created it clearly just as an excuse to be able to be like, okay, I want to go off and just like fuck someone else. That's that's what this game was. Yes. And for casual listeners, if you are in a relationship where you would like to step out and sleep with other people, have that fucking conversation. Yes. Don't make up a fucking game with three arbitrary rules and then impose it on your friends so that you can go and fuck other people. Which, to be fair, they all seem to be into it. Like, no one, like had a problem with it um i I know like when he was describing it i thought you know what if you were all single this would probably be a little bit fun because it's like go out find yourself somebody have like a little bit of an adventurous evening and then at the end of the day call it quits and like move on that sounds enjoyable enough for people who are just you know young and single and looking to have a good time or or if they are people who are together and they have an arrangement already mm-hmm. that they're open and these are the rules like they, well, that's like, the other thing like joel should have just been like hey let's open this shit up well, that's which the thing, yeah. I think... logan finds out about the game on the road trip to the house <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's because hey like you know i feel like i i i, I in the queer community, you know, there's like a phrase called like queering up the relationship, which usually involves bringing in outside people into the relationship. It's something that it works for some people, it doesn't work for others. And, and this is for men primarily. Men primarily, yes. And if that works for you, that's great. Do it. And if it if it isn't for you, that's fine. Don't judge other people that do. But yes. it's all about communication in the, in the long run, you know? Mm-hmm. And no, no one communicated <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> oh, no, no. I mean, that that's the whole problem with everything that happens in this film, right? Is like if people had just been honest about their goddamn feelings, yeah. nobody would have ended up dead. Um, maybe. Should we what? should we talk about the problem, Logan? Logan? <laughs> yeah. So I, I I almost think this movie would have been better had it not been a mass killer leading up to like a, a mask reveal. I almost think it would have been better if it was just like we knew the whole time who Logan uh, was, what he was doing. I didn't mind that. To me, I almost wish that there hadn't like it hadn't escalated to killing and it had have just gotten into it sounds dumb to say, but like emotional horror where it's just, okay. So I have maybe, maybe even seen... like a, like a well, saw have... type game. 
Yeah, just something that allows this to unfurl organically over the course of an hour. Like, to me, everything is working up until the point where they leave the bar. And then at that point, the character development just kind of stops and it becomes about this big killer reveal. But of course, by process of elimination, either who's been dead or who's absent, like the minute that you see Joel, uh, you know, get knocked around and then he shows up with the fire, what is it, Mm -hmm. firecrackers in his mouth? Yes. Uh, At that point, you're like, okay, well, there's only one person left. It could be its Logan. So for a minute, I almost thought it was going to be Hannah, like around the halfway point of the movie and honestly after that conversation she had with him at the bar about being selfish um right but it might have worked yeah but the second that cam runs into logan outside as like as he discovers as a killer in the house yeah that's when i was like oh you're like where the fuck you been oh you've been off killing people yeah (laughs) but he doesn't kill dante because it's fucking joel um yeah and and i think that's actually the most fascinating part about this second act or the second half of the film is the fact that there are two killers and the the more important kill is actually joel's murder of dante right the other stuff is more tried and true kind of meh parsley kind of stuff of a rote slasher film well there there's a lot in this movie and i almost wonder if maybe there was a pressure both on erlinger and and carter to get as like to cover as many bases as they could like of like queer life well or they may have been so inclined like okay we've got an opportunity to present a bunch of different types of gay men really dig into what gay culture looks like right now talk about those relationships talk about some of the toxicity that comes out of you know exes dating incestually and all these other things like and and I think that's why we enjoyed the first half of the film so much is because these are conversations that we literally never see represented well, on that, the screen. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like I, the first half of the film was so fascinating to me because it's like I, I felt it maybe not like specifically, but I felt represented on screen yes, by these characters. Fucking finally, fucking finally. <laughs> exactly. And that's like this. I, I think this movie is like a three and a half for me. Like I'm at three, three and a half marker. I'm like, you know what? I like it. I have qualms with it, but like overall it's a three and a half. Yes, I agree. I do. I would love to hear from straight viewers about whether or not they connect with this at all. Well, and on that note, if you didn't, Imagine how us gays feel watching straight movies all the time. All the fucking time. And that's yeah. the thing. It's and having the one token gay, like basically having Zach saunter through and get murdered or having, you know, a cheating, a cheating boyfriend storyline as like a tertiary background storyline unfolding in your fucking Hallmark Christmas movie. Like, yeah. it's so refreshing to just get all queers like well, i'm sorry even, but it is even if you're gay and you don't like you're not a part or you don't like club culture even before they get to the club like this like, you don't like brunch or you know whatever you don't go because again th- those are stereotypes but they're stereotypes mm-hmm. for a reason um like you you can see something of yourself like see like someone you know or even a part of yourself in any of these characters because mm-hmm. yeah like th- there is kind of like a wide spectrum of gay men re- in in these characters yes yeah so then we get to logan who is also in a way his own trope which is the person who was not ready to come out Mm -hmm. who had a not great sexual experience where he thought it was you know who hasn't had a kiss with someone and thought it was going to turn into something and it turns out to just be nothing at all so (laughs) you get ghosted or 
you find out it was a dare or it was a prank or whatever, whatever. And then, you know, the, the negative implications on your self-worth. I don't think most people wait seven years and then go on a killing spree, but I saw... Well, he was in it for some... the long con. <laughs> I was like, girl, why did you wait seven years? Like, that that's one of the other frustrating things where I'm like, Ugh, I just don't care about this because why, why would you yeah you know work your way into this friend group and wait this long like. well and then also like i i don't really understand why he like why did he want to kill ryan why did he want to kill zach like why why all of them why not just go for cam who's the one who kissed him and i guess joel who's an asshole well we're in urban legend territory right where it's i'm just gonna kill anybody who's in a proximity right. like they're all members of the group who participated in this farce and he's building up to cam well and i guess then in that respect though it would have made yeah you're right and i'm not going to question the laws too much because it's just you know it's slasher nah. movie stuff you know yeah. but like even killing ryan before he gets oh i i did like so you know okay so ryan went off with the silver fox that's why no one missed him and then zach you knew he was going to die next because he already said i'm probably going to have to leave early so that way when mm -hmm. he does die first no one notices yeah and then they get of course the obligatory text from him so logan clearly stole his phone and then sent a text being like hey guys i'm going to this party so they don't question where he's been <laughs> but then it's like why like they, i mean you they do find zach's body but like i, mean, I, I guess they, oh he gets the video they, he says in the video of, of um of uh ryan in the shower yes dead yeah. okay that makes sense yeah well and he killed ryan because he knew he wouldn't get an opportunity to kill ryan because ryan weren't coming that makes sense that all right you're right so okay logan <laughs> but yes. sidebar before before you get too much further can we talk about the sorority row influence death of oh, zach did you love it i did i so honestly because when he first shoved it down like you see it like bulging his throat and, like you get the same thing with chugged and sorority row but i actually yeah. this is a more graphic kill the only thing that i was missing was the final blow because yeah. in, in sorority row like you know he slaps he slashes her throat so you see her blood like gurgle up in the bottle Mm -hmm. um you don't really get this here you just like there i don't even think oh you know what though this could be the missing the missing vfx, VFX. Yeah. yeah or it could not be who knows <laughs> it might not and if there's no blood <laughs> that's fine but in in the version we saw the the bottle goes down zach's throat and you mm -hmm. see the his throat bulging with the bottle and you hear the bottle like breaking you don't see any blood yeah so I do like that the champagne bottles come into effect not once but twice in this movie as a weapon <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> If you're gonna if you're gonna put champagne bottles in every room, you best be using them as weapons. So good on you, Erlinger, for coming that for bringing that full full around. Ugh. My boss actually told me that she only drinks beer out of a bottle because her dad told her if she ever was in a bar fight that she just needed to always have a beer bottle in her hand so she could break it across the table and have a weapon. Um, Jesus Christ, that's how oh, people die. She grew up in Oklahoma on a ranch, and she was like, "Yeah, so my." And she's like, like in her like late forties, early fifties, I think. But uh, she's like, yeah, I, um, I spent a whole summer with my dad, like practicing breaking beer bottles over a table table bend. Jesus, I was like, huh, maybe I'll switch to bottles now because that does make sense. <laughs> okay, well, here's the thing. I think that's also a female problem and it less is. so a male problem. <laughs> probably so but, but basically it, it it wasn't like to actually get in a fight he was basically like no one will ever fight you because the second you break out the bottle and mm. you break it people aren't going to mess with you yeah because for a moment there i did wonder if maybe zach was going to be able to fight him off like you don't often see men getting choked to death yeah and then the minute that he smashed that bottle i thought oh okay now well, zach it's been good to know you now the second though this killer walks in with the with the 
pup mask and is like caressing Zach and Zach's into it. I believe that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like there was no like, uh, who are you? Why are you touching me? Yeah. And I love that he like, who did he think that was just one of the members of the group? Doesn't matter. It could have been one of the members. It could have been a hired sex worker. Um, right. Which I would believe that this group would hire. I, who knows? Or maybe it was uh, Ryan. Maybe it was like Ryan pop. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But no. <laughs> so anyway. the thing was is we've all met zach in a version of zach in our own yeah. lives and it's like yeah if somebody just showed up in a mask and started touching you and maybe taking off part of your clothes you'd be like yeah zach would have gone along with that yeah i almost feel bad that we've talked more about just like the issues this movie raises than the movie itself but it's we haven't had a movie like this in a long time to like talk about just like gay life well yeah i mean because that's what i most appreciated in watching it like it's it's relatively straightforward in the way that there's a group of people, they come together for a special occasion, there's secrets that they need to tease out. It's actually very similar to New Year, New You, mm -hmm. and which I've only seen the first half of. So I actually don't know how that escalates Oh, you should in the finish it. Half. It's pretty good. Well, I, I wondered, actually, if you feel comfortable comparing the two, because they're both the New Year's entries, and that one has a queer representation in it as well, does it not? I don't think so. Okay. I thought I read that one of the girls was either bisexual or a lesbian. Uh, she might have been. I mean, again, I haven't seen it since, like, January. Or maybe it's just that there's lesbian undertones between the two girls. Yeah, between um the girl from The Bad Batch and the girl from um uh Mr. Robot and Supervatory. Right. But I did wonder, because that one seemed more like we're going to spend the entire movie inside this palatial, you know, upper middle crust house. Well, it is, but it's like... You know, one of their friends became this social media maven, uh, influencer, mm -hmm. and there is a possibility that she did it, like, after, like, possibly killing someone or something like that. Okay. Yeah, because the, just the idea that there's secrets within the group that will come out over the course of this one specific night, which is like a special occasion. They're, they're very comparable films. And I, I actually would put them, but I ranked that one a three and a half as well. I think I would, cause I, and that's Sophia to call who mm -hmm. directed black Christmas, uh, which by the time this episode is released, we will have seen already. Um, but, but as of this recording, we have not seen yet. Yes. Just to make it extra complicated. But I think they would make a really good double feature because yeah, you got a group of guys here, gay and a group of girls in that movie, which most, I think straight, maybe a bi, maybe a les, I don't know, but... Right. Oh, and Kirby Hall Baptiste is in that. I don't know that I know who that is. You do know who that is, because we already talked about her, but she's the girl Simone Chidi's girlfriend, Australian oh, right. girlfriend. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't always know names. I Veronica Mars, I know, but you need to learn Kirby Hall Baptiste, because she's great. Okay, yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, I think they make a great double feature, though. I mean, I, I, rank, I rank them both the same, three and a half out of five. Yeah. But I mean, when we come down to it, like the the main reason that you and I even wanted to cover this is a because it's two people that we know who are very active in the community, like mm -hmm. they're on the cusp of, you know, they're they're the next generation of queer horror filmmakers. Like I've been waiting yeah. for Erlinger to direct his next feature because really, I think everybody looks at Rift like it's oh it's his debut. It's not his debut, but it's the film that got him a lot of international acclaim, and right. he hasn't done anything since. So when I found out that it was not just Carter Smith, but also Erlinger doing this, it's like yes, bring it well, on. And Carter hasn't directed a movie in five years since uh, Jimmy Marks is dead. Yeah. So we and, and before that it was the ruin. So it's like. <laughs> 
yeah so this this is like a queer horror event and yeah. i'm super excited that it's so accessible like people with hulu people can just watch it at home like queer horror is going to saturate people's houses as they enter 2020 that's so exciting it's amazing uh and we are getting off of logan sorry okay come back to logan so what do you think of his sob story motivation uh, okay i get it i i mean i don't get the waiting six years for it seven years for it. yeah because <laughs> it's very much like why why don't you just go fucking kill these guys yeah. um but again whatever you know wh why is rebecca gayhart torturing natalie for a whole movie but she kills the other girl who was actually responsible for her boyfriend's death like in the first scene you know spoiler for urban legend <laughs> i know um but the thing is it's such a well okay, i'm conflicted because it's mm -hmm. also both, oh, it's the gay killer. I mean, granted, it's a gay movie, but he is a killer because of a like a gay circumstance that he was in. That makes any sense? Yeah. I guess I, I guess it could happen to a, I guess it's not specifically inherently gay, but because he brings up like I wasn't even out yet and I did this, like that True. makes it more gay. It's not like, oh, I was a teenage boy, I kissed a girl, and like she like, you know, or I was a 18-year-old boy, I kissed this 19-year-old girl, and like, you know, mm -hmm. she it was just a game for her, like whatever this is inherently tied to him being gay because he specifically mentions i wasn't even out yet i wasn't ready yeah and i it, love that we've got the the thematics of that's why he wears a mask to kill in the modern time because he was masked at that time because he wasn't out right and that's one thing i, I i'm not i don't i don't think it's bad um because I, I it's such a weird thing with the gay killer because on a level, with a lot of them, I get it. And I think this movie handles that part at least kind of well. I just wish... Like, I wasn't offended by it, basically, by his motive or anything. I just wish that there was more time devoted to it. Like, he gets, like, a very short villain monologue. Mm-hmm. And I get it. You know, it's an 86-minute movie. We don't have, And we don't have time for, like, a after-school special lesson of whatever. But it's... It felt so much like it was just a twist and not, like... The, any emotional depth that this had was kind of lost, I think, in, tra in the translation. No, and I, I wonder if it's because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter why Logan is doing this, because it's really about Cam and Joel's relationship. Because if you think about it, the way that they react to this revelation is very different, right? Like Cam tries to be understanding. He tries right. to forge a connection. You know, I didn't know. I didn't realize and joel meanwhile is just like you motherfucker i'm gonna kill you and it's like he was engaged he's engaged to this person like, okay like hypothetically if my i don't know how long these guys have been dating like because like, they don't do they ever say like when they started dating no but i i get the impression that it hasn't been a super long time okay but nevertheless let's say i'm dating my husband for two years and i'm engaged to him it, i all of a sudden realize that he's a serial killer that's not going to be my reaction, <laughs> but I'm not Joel, you know, I'm, I'm going to be like, what the fuck, dude? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, just like, like, Joel seemed so over the top evil in this movie to me that I was like, I just don't buy him as a person. I don't know. Oh, really? I mean, I, I didn't have that issue at all. I felt like he like he felt very familiar to me in the way in the way that there are insidious members of the queer community who actively prey on vulnerable men and use that to their advantage to get sex to get favors to just feel more powerful 
Okay. No, that that makes sense. That makes sense. And you, all of this, like all these uh, these opinions we're making, are all based on our personal experiences, and it's uh-huh. it, it seems like it's just so weird. Like I mean, like I, 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 I how often do we ever get to talk about like, oh wow, that's that's like this person <laughs> that I know, like never because we don't ever see those people in film. It's just so. Uh, I mean, again, and these aren't like crazy three dimensional characters, but they're better than like some of the one dimensional stereotypes we get. They're two dimensional characters. Yeah. So question then, how did you feel about the fact that the quote unquote most promiscuous character and the most effeminate character and then the other person of color are the victims in this film? Part of me wished actually that they had kept Zach Zach around longer. I I was thinking about this throughout the day. So I just watched this this afternoon. So I've been wrestling with it for the last couple of hours. I was wondering if this one would have benefited from having a few additional bodies. I think it would have. Because, again, I thought for sure they were going to kill Hannah, to be honest. I really thought they were going to kill her. And that we're left with Cam and Joel and Hannah alive at the end of this. So, yeah, we what, three people die? I mean, I guess four mm-hmm. if you count Logan. Um, yeah. But Logan kills two people and Joel kills one. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I feel like the real revelation in this movie is not that Logan is the killer. It's that Joel is so crazy that he is willing to murder to make sure that his ex stays single. The emotional climax of the film is when Cam realizes, like, after Logan is dead and he confronts Joel by the pool. That's the emotional climax, not the reveal of Logan being the killer. And. That's, That's like pro- your Hollywood ending, and then the emotional through line of the film is that conversation between Joel and Cam. And that's the thing, and I guess maybe I just wanted more between, like, I wanted more of a conversation between Logan and Joel, or Logan and Cam and Joel, like, in that climactic moment, to just, like, I don't know, it, just, it felt very slight of him, like, you know, I, I get it, yeah. I, I can fill in the blanks myself, but... I wanted the movie to show or fuck. Give me a flashback. I don't even care. I'll, 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 I'll be fine with that. Well, technically you did get a flashback, but it yeah, was just to the club. I know. <laughs> I don't agree. I don't disagree with you. I think it might've benefit to have even just an additional scene of Joel and Cam getting away from Logan before they kill him so that they can actually be like, holy shit, this guy is trying to murder us this is your fault. No, this is your fault because you're the one who actually kissed him. And, you know, like being able to exchange that because they just murder Logan. Like they get out of it, they murder him. And then it's daybreak. And really at that point, Logan is not a topic of conversation anymore. It's literally just about like, oh, I was always in love with you and I want you to stay with me. And then this revelation that, oh, you actually yeah. killed the person I was going to hook up with. It does also explain, though, why Logan didn't want to do Molly at the club. Um, and also why he doesn't start killing again until later. like after, Because like, they, they had the scene of him where he's in the pool, like, calm, cooling off. Um, mm-hmm. after like, like, figuratively, after the argument. Yeah. Um, and they kind of try to make you think that the killer is, like, around him. Which I appreciated. He was coming down of his role, which is why he wasn't killing it. Because when you're rolling, you don't want to kill people. You're happy. <laughs> Yeah, I also like the red herringness, uh, which is actually, 
it's a bit of a foreshadowing device where Cam goes looking through the club and he actually stumbles upon Logan making out with a couple of different guys. And yes. Logan actively tries to lure him in. And I think it's because you're also meant to believe that Logan has been fixated on Cam this whole time and maybe had something happen there. Yes. The evening would have gone different. That Yeah, that makes total sense. I, 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 I agree with you there. But alas, it alas. went the way it did. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I I don't dislike it. It just it didn't come together as well as it would have liked. And no, I mean, that, but I don't think there's more to say about that. I mean, like, it's a solid movie. Yeah, I am grateful that it is what it is and that we are getting it released on a fucking major streaming platform by a by Bumhouse. Mm hmm. I, yeah. Yeah, I, I do wish the third act were a bit stronger. And I, I don't know if it's like, you know, the, like, the slasher conventions are fine. Um, I don't think that the chase scenes are particularly suspenseful, um, except yeah. for whenever Hannah is confronted by him and he slashes her leg. Like that was the first, that was the one time where I was like, oh, yeah. But, you know. Yeah, it, I, I, I think that and the reveal that it's Joel who's actually suffocated Dante, mm -hmm. that legitimately, I was like, because I had it in my notes, I was like, and then Logan kills Dante. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was like, backs, backspace, backspace, backspace. Oh, Joel just killed Dante. Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, I, I'm interested to see what people think about this. Uh, I do agree that I want to hear from straight listeners about what, what they thought of this. And mm -hmm. all of you, all of you, gay, not gay, <laughs> queer the two general. binaries, yeah. Yeah, all, all of that, all, the umbrella term. I've started using queer so much more since we started like doing this podcast because it's just so much easier because <laughs> I feel like by saying gay, I'm leaving people out. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. But yeah, I hope, um, I hope we get a all lesbian version of this somewhere down the road too. Ooh. Yeah. And then one day a trans version of this. God, just, just all of it. Stop making movies with straight people. They're so boring. I mean, Ryan Murphy will do it. Oh God, I don't want to see him tackle anything. <laughs> But you know what? At, at least because he does pose, right? That was that's him. He does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he gets he has a pose hand. made, and then other people bring the legitimacy to pose. Right. There you go. Um. But yeah, so I, it's solid yeah. film. I'm. Thank you, mm -hmm. Carter Smith. I'm glad that you made this. Uh, thank you, Erlinger, for writing this. Um, good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, okay, well, I think that about does it for this one. Yeah, so I think we can cross out uh, Midnight Kiss and 2019. Yeah, and cross out Horror Queers Patreon. Yeah.